My name is Dr. Tram Jones. Starting in December 2019, my wife and I lived in Haiti. Recently, given the current insecurity, we are out of the country, but we continue to support and work with our partner clinic, Lesquati Moon, with its 53 employees on the ground in the city of Quadibouquet, Haiti. In the last episode, we started the discussion of why Haiti is economically worse off than other comparison nations. If you pulled an American off the street today and asked them why Haiti is poor, their primary focus would be on natural disasters and corruption. These are the things that are on the news. But Haiti has been a country for 220 years. We need to look at this question through those lens. Last week, we talked about the method by which Haiti gained its independence. Because the French had not allowed the slave population to read, write, or go to school, Haiti faced challenges that were not present in other nations upon independence. It's important to remember again and again that Haiti is the only country in history that was born out of a slave rebellion. And while we that love Haiti enjoy saying this because it's a proud fact in Haitian history, we must also remember that this came with a lot of difficulties. We already mentioned the challenge of running a country when the enslavers had prevented every citizen from reading. But many people might point out that Haiti has had some 200 years to overcome that original difficulty. So what happened? Well, let's look at the period right after independence. First, I think it's worth comparing Haiti to other black nations. We already mentioned the difference in independence dates between Haiti and African republics. But there's another aspect that can't be overlooked. In most African countries, there had been organization and civilizations prior to colonization. There were people groups, kingdoms, villages, and cities. As much as the colonists tried to wipe these out, they were often not fully successful. Europeans, due to disease, had often not been able to penetrate deep into the continent. So when African countries gained their independence, there were structures to fall back on. People who had led before. Now compare this to Haiti. Every single Haitian had been forcibly displaced from Africa to Haiti. This was not their native land. Few of them spoke the same language and thus had developed a Creole language to communicate. There were no prior kingdoms or people groups to return to to serve as structures in the immediate post-independence period. All that could happen was that the tiny group of previously free colored people who had education would take total control of the capital city. Second, the terrain in Haiti is different from many other countries. It is incredibly mountainous in an impassable sort of way. The government couldn't really ever have control over most of the country. And we see this in countries today. We see it in the Congo, except there it's a jungle and not mountains. There's little sense of national identity because communication and control is so challenging. It's also the case in Afghanistan, nestled in the Himalayas. It is infinitely easier to govern countries that are mostly flat and open, like Cuba or the Bahamas. For the first hundred years of Haiti's existence, most of the population lived in the mountains, traumatized from their prior time as slaves, and only hoping to live without someone telling them what to do. This was, of course, understandable, but made coalescing as a nation difficult. Third is, I think, the most important aspect. How do you think other nations responded to a free Haiti in 1804? Keep in mind, this was at a time when slavery was present the world over, and the fear of slave rebellions was terrifying to masters. The United States didn't even want to think about the example that was being set in Haiti. Every other nation was the same way. The United States didn't even recognize Haiti as a country until 1862, nearly 60 years after their independence. So suddenly, after declaring themselves free, the Haitians find themselves in a bind. Their previous economy had been based on slave-produced sugar. 
the economy no longer had forced unpaid labor. Thus, the economic path forward was not really clear. But the country could have turned towards coffee or other goods. Unfortunately, every other nation refused to trade with Haiti. And trade for a new nation is of paramount importance. Look at us. In our early days as a nation, the United States was forced to play a diplomatic tap dance between France and England in order to keep our trade routes open. This is the only way that a homegrown economy can be built apart from the mother nation. Haiti was cut off not only from trade, but also innovations and advancements that were happening the world over. France, still embittered over the loss of their colony, was pressuring other countries to continue to treat Haiti as a pariah nation. They even had it coded in their treaty with England that ended the Napoleonic Wars that France could do whatever it wanted in Haiti. At the same time that Haiti was cut off from the world economy, they were having to devote most of their resources to defense, terrified that the French would try to re-enslave them again. The French decided that they could be persuaded differently, but only with money. They reckoned that the value of the slaves in Haiti that had been set free was about 150 million francs. Yes, that's right. The French wanted the country to pay for the freedom that they had just won in war. The Haitians were understandably upset by this and refused. By paying, they would be implicitly agreeing that their bodies had been the property of the French. Then, in 1825, the French sailed warships to the island, threatening war again, forcing the Haitian president to agree to pay the money. I don't know about any of you, but I have no idea how much a franc was worth in 1825. But in today's money, that 150 million francs is equivalent to $21 billion. This was, wait for it, 10 times Haiti's government revenues at the time. In fact, to give you a good comparison to show the effect of racism at the time, it was 10 times the price the U.S. paid for the entire Louisiana Purchase, think about the size of that, at the same time. And this little deal was a death blow to the young republic. Imagine if England had cut off all trade from the United States after our revolution. And then, 20 years later, if they had required the United States to devote all its taxes to pay for King George's loss of his subjects. And further imagine if our nation, instead of a fertile, massive land, was the size of Maryland and 80% covered with craggy mountains. Further, what if the illiteracy rate was 5% and no one wanted to communicate or trade with you? How do you think our nation would have turned out? But the deal with France was even worse than you would think. It required Haiti to provide a 50% discount on French import duties, making it even harder for the government to raise funds. Haiti was hopelessly unable to pay off the debt. They took out more loans to make the payments. By the late 1800s and early 1900s, debt payments were making up 80% of government income. You may notice that I casually jumped forward 100 years. That's because it took Haiti a full 122 years to pay off its freedom debt. That's right. They started in 1825 and did not finish until after World War II in 1947. And did the treaty with France create enough international trade to make up for the reparations? This was the hope of the Haitian president. He felt that by opening up the country to the world, they could work their way into financial viability. Certainly, this is how I think as an American. The way out of poverty is trade and export and business. You need to pay whatever price to be able to do that. Well, it didn't work out that way. While France recognized Haiti, in part because of the favorable trade agreement, the U.S. unsurprisingly held back. I keep comparing Haiti to other black republics and not Hispanic countries for an obvious reason. They were just treated differently. The United States had no issue recognizing Mexico, Colombia, and Chile, and did so shortly after their declaration of independence in the 1820s. 
but there was something different about a nation of former slaves. The great fear of slave owners in the South was a slave uprising. And one of the only things that kept slaves from rising up was the lack of success of nearly all slave uprisings in history. And yet here, just 600 miles off the south of Florida, was a shining example of slaves living free and managing their country. Every slave-owning country not only didn't want anyone to hear about Haiti, it was deeper than that. If they allowed Haiti to thrive, it would go against every philosophy that underpinned American slavery. As I said before, the United States recognized Haiti finally in 1862. And that date is no coincidence. Many of us will see the connection. The South had just seceded from the Union, the Civil War was in full sway, and only then could the U.S. Congress have the votes to allow it to happen. Haiti gained its independence a full 150 years before most Black republics. But it was born into a world that not only wanted to hide its existence, but actively wanted, maybe even needed, to crush it. And just 20 years into its existence, Haiti found itself saddled with a debt it would take until the modern era to repay. Even in 1915, debt repayments took up all but 20% of government income. Much of the tiny amount that had been left over for the past century had gone to the military because there was an ever-present fear that despite French promises, they would come back to invade. This meant there could be no investment in education, ports, roads, infrastructure, just like every other independent country had been doing. Every village in the country was left to their own devices. And this brings us to a pivotal point. Just after World War II, Haiti has finally paid off its debt. It is now able to look to the future. What will happen next will be a turning point in Haitian history. They will elect a kindly country doctor as they try to climb out of the hole that the world had thrown them in. It will not go well. Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from life here. We are simply telling stories as we have seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history, and there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names may have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti or to get involved, visit us on the web at lightfromlight.me. Thank you and God bless.